Welcome to Plan a Happy Life. I'm your host, Stephanie Fleming, creative entrepreneur and happiness activist. I'm on a mission to create a happy life movement. Each week, I'll be joined by my daughter, Kayla, for some honest conversations about how you can plan your happiest life yet. So what are we waiting for? Let's get happy. Hey, Kayla. Hi, Mom. Welcome back to Plan a Happy Life. I know that you're excited and I am really excited to have our first like official like non-related guest with us. Yeah, our non-family guest. Non-family and but it couldn't be more perfect and more timely right now. Um so let me introduce you really quickly to Kara Elise. Hi Kara. Hi guys. Uh Kara's a chef, an experienced curator and the ultimate hostess for sure. She focuses on creating spaces and experiences that cultivate community something right now we need so much of. She builds events and experiences for both individuals and brands that create spaces for connection, process, and play. Along with her fiance, Caleb, Kara curates connect dinners aimed at creating connection around mindful dinners for strangers. In addition, they host Kara and Caleb, the podcast, which dives deep into the questions that have defined the lives of their guests. Kara currently teaches an online cheese board styling course and is working on filming a pilot for a cooking show. I'm so excited. She loves bubblegum in Los Angeles and loves helping others pursue what truly matters to them. Welcome, Kara. Uh, thank Welcome. you, guys. I'm so glad to be here. This is so fun. This is so oh, my gosh. Fun. Consider yourself virtually hugged. Uh, yeah, yeah, totally. Same to you. <laughs> we all just like hug ourselves because actually our bodies don't know the difference between our hands and other people's hands. So everybody just give themselves a hug. Oh, I'm oh, going to do it right I now. I love that. I'm going to do it right now. It's oh, really important. I didn't know that. See, this is why one of the reasons why we love you so much. There, you I mean... What you bring to, I just think, the world is amazing. Mm -hmm. And yes, your bio is so cool. We'll talk about some of the exciting things. But let me just say that when we met you last year, right, we met you um, at uh, our launch party for our friend Amy Tangerine and our collaboration with her. And you did the food. You did the cheese board styling all over. I think it was like a brunch. It was magical. And not the food was beautiful. It was delicious. But even more than that was we just got to meet you in person. And Mm. we just were so excited to get to know you uh, better. And then we did a a retreat, uh, Craft a Life You Love retreat with Amy, also in the magical uh, town of Ojai. And that is where I think Kayla and I fell in love with you. Oh Oh my gosh, it was amazing. (laughs) Such a good time. It was such a good weekend. We need to do it again. Yeah. Yeah. That was amazing. So um, for our listeners, what we did was we kind of, I think there was like 10 of us, maybe. I think think so. 10 or 11, I think. Okay. So Mm -hmm. it was a small group, but enough where like women could come together, all different ages. We did a bunch of different things in life and we just got to spend some time together. And Mm -hmm. Kara fed us. And on top of that, what I think stood out was this dinner that you had. And every night when we would sit down to dinner, you had table questions for us. And really, we opened up and we learned about connecting together over meals. Mm-hmm. And um, and then also, you know, I think just having that um, that connection. And I told you then, I think, I'm a total introvert and I didn't realize how much I needed to connect with other women. Right. And I had a moment where I just kind of got teary. So, um, so 
tell us a little bit about how you got started um, just creating meals and connection. I think you are such a combination of creativity and this connection that really needs to happen. So how did you get started doing that? Uh, thank you. I'm like receiving all of your compliments. and letting <laughs> Thank you so much. I, that, that weekend with Amy was really so special. And I think you hit um, you hit it on the nail when when you said like all of us, whether we're introverts or extroverts or however we're wired, we all need to feel connected. And a lot of that um, comes through our ability to connect with one another. It also comes with our ability to connect to ourselves. And so there's all these different modalities that we can do that with, right? Like yoga is a way to connect to ourselves. Writing is a way to connect to ourselves. And for me, food just happens to be the modality that I get to work in to create connective experiences. So essentially I got my start because I, I mean, since I was a little girl, I remember like having friends over for lunch and being like, let's talk about this at lunch and, you know, coming up with the table topic as a second grader and kind of like curating the room and looking at it. It's always funny when we tell our stories in hindsight, but in hindsight, I think, I think that's just kind of innately in me, but I think I knew I'm the middle child of five. And I think I knew especially growing up with so many different siblings, that everyone in the family needed to be heard. And so that's kind of this ethos that I bring into any kind of event and experience that I I get to do is that everyone needs to be heard in order to feel connected. So that's where, um, you know, the idea of the table question comes in. Because Stephanie, what you referenced being an introvert, it's really interesting. If you get at a dinner party with a group of 12 people, it is a very rare experience that everyone is going to have equal amounts of time to offer something of themselves, right? True. Yes. When you offer a table question and you kind of level the playing field, everybody gets to participate. And not only do does everyone get to get heard, be heard, but also everyone gets to listen. And so for someone like me, who's a massive extrovert, and I could talk to you for hours, it's actually really important for me to feel connected to practice the art of listening. So I love the idea mm, of a table question at a meal, because it really does, it does, it does create a connective experience for everyone equally. Um, That's such a good point because I realized, you know, so much of, I think, in our business, the community that we've created with um, the planner community, that's one of the things I said is um, that I've noticed about about the planners and creative women in general is that these people are really, everybody wants to be heard. You mm -hmm. want to be valued and heard. And sometimes we don't know um, how to do that in a big group of people. And so a lot of times, we may just kind of keep to ourselves a little yeah. bit, but it is so important. And the minute you feel heard and seen by somebody else, you feel valued. And yeah. something as simple as a table question, um, it was so, it was just like a light bulb moment for me. And I felt like this is so powerful. And you just, you presented it in such a gentle, but meaningful way. Mm, thank you. Yeah. I always want a table question to be invitational. Like I always want it to be something that invites someone into, into an experience of feeling connected rather than feeling like you have to tell me your opinion about this topic, you know? So most right. of my table questions are much more of an invitation to a conversation than they are like forcing you to be on the spot and offer an opinion. Well, yeah. and that's so interesting too, because I, I remember when we were in Ohio and at one of the dinners, maybe probably the first one where we had a table question, I was so nervous. Mm. I remember going, oh no, 
Oh no. <laughs> I, I don't think I like this. I don't think I want to do this. And then just stepping like, you know, a toe out of my comfort zone yeah. was huge. And it was so something that I didn't think that would have been comfortable. Yeah. And maybe that first step was a little uncomfortable, but I was so surprised at like the reception of everybody around that table. And Mm. it just was, it was mind blowing to me. Yeah. And I love that too, Kayla, because I feel like most of us live inside of our heads with all of these narratives that may or may not be true. And Mm, these narratives of like, my voice isn't valuable, or I don't have something to offer. And you're right, when you just like, stick your toe out and take that little step of courage to answer something that might be a little bit uncomfortable, what happens is you're reinforcing in yourself that you're brave and that you have capacity to offer great insight. And everyone at that table, especially in Ojai, we experience this, but there are so many points of relation. We all are coming Mm -hmm. from massively different backgrounds and stories and life circumstances. Some of us were single, married, kids, no kids, you know, all over the board. But when we offer a vulnerable part of ourselves in answering a question, everyone can relate. Like everyone can find something to relate to in in our offering. That's really true. Because I know, I think that that's what most people, uh, you know, are kind of, accustomed to coming into a group of people, especially women, I think, mm. that you're looking at how we're different. I'm thinking I'm one of the older ones. I know Stacy, Julian and I were, you know, two of the oldest. And you're thinking, oh, how am I going to fit in? These are, they look way cooler than me. And mm. Kayla, I know you were looking at saying like, oh, well, this, these people bring this to the table and I'm over here. I think mm-hmm. that's a common thread. We're looking at how we don't fit in. Yeah. And when you start with something as simple as the questions that were asked, it is like an invitation to like to get to know you. But at the same time, all of a sudden you realize, like you said, Kara, we are all so much more alike than we really realize. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and immediately like your guard goes down. And I think we got to know those 10 or 11 women that weekend in like, I mean, in a real deep and meaningful way. Yeah. Um, and it was just such a I mean, it's like, OK, getting back to the basics of you know, preparing the meals with, with love. And we didn't have, we didn't have any help. We didn't help you at all, Kara. Kara did everything. She just spoiled (laughs) us. Um, But then, and then sitting around, I mean, the table looked beautiful, the way you had it set up and the way we approached it and ate and um, was really amazing. And Kara, there was something that as I was doing, you know, I know you, but at the same time, I want to do all my research. Hmm. And I came across something that you had talked about, about the way we, when we eat food, together like how when you sit down this appreciation for the food that you create because what you're doing is a is basically it's art it's creativity it's like joy and celebration and so and what our bodies how they process it differently I'm not saying this right but like you said it so beautifully so maybe you can share a little bit about how it is different when we celebrate our food absolutely so I I always use the cupcake analogy um Mm -hmm. and I the cupcake analogy is the premise of it is that it really matters how and why we eat, right? It's, it's, mm-hmm. It is about mm-hmm. what we eat and we need to give our body bodies nourishing things. But I think a lot of times, especially in our culture, we get so obsessed about exactly what we're eating, but we're not yes. thinking about why and how. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. The cupcake analogy says this. If you and I go out to cupcakes, Stephanie, you and I go Mm -hmm. get cupcakes at Sprinkles or something. Um, If I am eating the cupcake because I just broke up with my boyfriend and I'm grieving something and I'm super upset and I'm using this, you know, this piece of food to appease a negative emotion, Mm -hmm. my body's response is going to be very different than yours if you're going and celebrating a job promotion or a new, you know, an a new decorated room that you just did or something. So if you're coming in and eating this uh, cupcake with celebration, your body is digesting it differently. So what happens when we are eating out of stress and anxiety is literally our, it's almost, I wish I could visualize this for you, but it's almost like your body like clenches in, right? When you think about stress and tension, your body closes. So it's the fight or flight thing in you that like literally shuts down and you, you curl your shoulders forward and your whole digestive system compacts. So the way your body is going to process that cupcake is totally different. It's going to hold on. It's going to have anxiety around it. It's going to store the fat and the sugars for later. Whereas if you come in and you eat a cupcake out of celebration, again, this is not an excuse to go eat a cupcake every day, but (laughs) giving you an idea of when you come in and you eat a cupcake out of like celebration and joy, your body realizes like, oh, I don't need to hold on to to things that I don't need and things that you don't need pass through you. So in the same way, when we sit down with a group of people and we share a meal and we're coming at it from this celebratory, restful, um, enjoyment type of mindset, our bodies digest differently. We, we actually make better choices around the food that we put into our Mm -hmm. bodies because we're already in a mindful celebratory space. Whereas if we're, if we're just coming at a meal for the sake of like, you know, appeasing an emotion or, or overcoming some negative thought that we have, our, yeah. our digestive systems react so differently to the meal that we take in. That is so interesting and something that as much as, and, and I've, I've been very open. I've had really issues with food and body image for pretty much my whole life mm-hmm. and very obsessed about, you know, what you put into your body. And so you, I'm already, you know, I grew up in the eighties and had that, you know, diet culture surrounding me. And so yeah. everything you do, it feels negative or restrictive, or I shouldn't be doing this, or if I'm doing it, then I feel guilty. And so I've never had that awareness, but also just never had that relationship with food. And to be honest with you, when, you know, I read that, um, and I, I saw that you said this, I think it was a video. And I'm like, Oh, my gosh, another light bulb moment, which I have so many to thank you for. Um, (laughs) But I also feel like, especially right now, during this time where so many of us are at home, a little bit afraid of, you know, um, food. Are we going to have enough? Do we have, I I couldn't get eggs forever. And, you know, I started looking and Kayla and I talked about this is that um, things in my refrigerator that I had, I realized, number one, how wasteful I had been Mm. um, in the past. And when I would sit down and when I finally got my hands on some eggs, I had eggs for breakfast and was like, thank you for this egg. Like I, I had that process of being much more mindful, um, about, about my attitudes towards food. Um, and so I think that what you say is so important just in general. And even these days, like, oh my gosh, to be so thankful for the things that we have. Um, and instead of this, you know, we seem to have this culture of we have more, we're wasting more, Mm. we want, you know, and it just feels like negative, negative, this time right now, we're starting to slow down in so many areas of our lives. And mm-hmm. there's some good, I know there's a lot of fear, but I think there's a lot of good that can come out of 
what we find out about ourselves during this time and how we appreciate things. And, and I started once I was, you know, looking into some of your philosophies and then I got my eggs and I was like, this is exactly what she's talking about. This is what you're talking about, uh, about celebrating um, the food and having it be, it's a blessing to us. And, and then those that we gather with can be a blessing too, as well. Yeah. Um, it's really that, good. I, you're good. You're like an <laughs> eye opener. I'm telling you. No, I just, I, I just read an article yesterday about this time, uh, referencing COVID-19 and how yeah. a lot of girls are, are relapsing into eating disorder patterns. Mm. Yes. And I think it's a really easy time to do that. And, and part of that is that so much of, so much of eating disorder culture or disordered eating really has nothing mm. to do with food and it has to do True. with feeling safe, right? Yeah. Or feeling right. out of control. And so we're entering this time where all of us communally and globally are, are in a really unsafe situation. And I always say that food has the potential to be your greatest enemy or your greatest ally. And Mm -hmm. we get to choose, like we really get to choose how we, how we befriend food. Like, do we speak to it kindly? If we imagine how we speak to a friend, do we speak to Mm -hmm. food kindly? Do we treat it with respect? Do we, do we value the fact that it's in front of us and that we get to create with it? Or are we afraid of it and speaking negatively about it? And so I think it's just a really really sensitive time culturally when it yes. comes to food. And, and my hope is that it, what you said, it is a time for people to really have space to reflect mm-hmm. on all things, but specifically how we do meals and how we do yeah. connecting to ourselves over food. And I, you know, I'm, I am preaching to myself when I, when I say this, but I, I think it's such a beautiful practice to even like breakfast, like Take the time, what you just said about the eggs, take the yeah. time to practice gratitude over the breakfast that you have, because that changes everything internally. And it, it also sets the tone for your whole day. Right. Yeah. It, I mean, I feel like that you're, you're so right about like disordered eating and this time right here being such a sensitive time because I have mm-hmm. found myself reverting mm-hmm. to unhealthy behaviors that I had thought worked for me in the past, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to need comforting foods and, you know, carb it up. Um, and, and I'm just going to like, you know, be in my cocoon. And I'm realizing now, like, I don't feel better. And I have yeah. had to slow down enough to realize that because there's, you know, it's just, you're here with you, yourself and you, you know, it's like, here I am. And I'm eating all the things that I thought were going to make me feel comforted. Um, but doing so in a way that wasn't really healthy and then going, no, physically, I'm slowed down enough to know that I don't feel healthy. I feel and feel good or nourished. I feel like I've stuffed something. Mm-hmm. And so I've had that clarity into, oh my gosh, I need, you know, let's go back to, I need to feel safe, but I don't know, it kind of shines a light on some things of ours that may or may not be, um, you know, healthy. Yeah, um, absolutely. And one more, one more thought on that, as yeah. you say that, like for someone who maybe isn't as mindful as you to know, like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, I don't feel great after this. I think what we, ha- part of what we have to recognize is, is our bodies are doing everything they can to protect us all the time. Right. Yeah. So if we're, yep. if we're reaching out to eight Snickers bars to feel better. Yeah. There's no reason to have shame over that. There's actually, if anything, there's an exploration of like, wow, I feel so unsafe right now that I'm listening to an outside substance to make myself feel better. How can I 
create safety for myself in different ways so that my impulse isn't to pick up the eight Snickers bars. Right. So again, I think you're so right that it's a time, it's such a, it's a crazy time, but it is a, yeah. an interesting time to really allow what comes up to come up and, and look at it. Yes. The yeah, times in I, my, go ahead, Kayla. No, I was just going to say, I think one of my favorite things that you do that I, um, I know you've done some lives, um, since quarantine, uh, has started, but, um, is the what's in your kitchen. Mm. And for oh, this yes. time, I know I've used that and have been inspired by you by just really kind of going, all right, so here's the hand that I've been dealt. Here's what I have at the moment. And what can I do with that? Yeah. Um, right. It's been really cool. I've been able to get a little creative. I think it's just an awesome thing. And I know that you've done videos in the past where you'd go over to your friend's house and just say, all right, we're cooking dinner. What do you got? And yeah. it was like, you know, you'd find old things, you'd find new things, you'd find things that you're like, oh, I didn't know that would go together. Um, so I think just it's been a cool creative outlet. Oh, good. I love that. Yeah, I've been doing these. Um, They're probably like 10 to 15 minute Instagram lives where I really am yeah. using what's in my kitchen to create. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, that's part of my love of food is that you, you get to find the ingredients you have and you get to get intuitive around them and then you get to create something with them. And oh. I love it because it's, re- it's about food, but really it's about your whole life, right? Because how often yeah. in our yeah. life do we think like, if only I had this, then I could uh-huh. make this. Yes. When you learn intuition in the kitchen, when you learn how to play with the ingredients that you already have, you learn how to match flavors differently and maybe reuse a can of something that you never thought you would use, you you actually gain it a holistic intuition that applies to your whole life. So now you can start saying with your life, like, oh, I really wanted to create this this thing and I don't I don't think I have the quote unquote ingredients for it, but maybe I do. Maybe I can yeah. sub in something else. And and so for me I I love the what's in your kitchen play because it really is it's play, right? It's a yeah, it's yeah. A, a chance to experiment and to to get resourceful and to think differently. Um and you're you're creating a nourishing meal, which is important. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Yeah. So how do you teach somebody like me? Yeah. <laughs> um, so those of us that are like, I don't have that natural intuition. Or if I do, I'm not tapped into it. Kayla knows this. I'm just <laughs> not like if I see something, it's like, well, I guess I'm going to have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I don't have the maybe even the confidence hmm. to look into my kitchen or my refrigerator or my pantry and say, these are what I have. I'm going to make this. So how, what would you suggest for those of us that are maybe a little more, you know, challenged in the kitchen, let's say, (laughs) um, to do that? Because what you do, um, when you, I mean, you make, if you had five ingredients that I might think are like so random and I see what you make with it. Oh my gosh. It's beautiful. (laughs) Help me. Help me. (laughs) Thank you. Well, the thing is with any, as with any behavior, it's, it's just learned, right? So like some of us are going to have more of a proclivity towards music than others, but any of us can learn some form of music. So I feel the same way with the kitchen where maybe some of us have a little more inborn intuition around it, but truthfully, any of us can learn. And I think, I think for someone who doesn't feel the confidence or might not have any clue where to start, it's super simple, but it's starting small. So I have a, I have a girlfriend, Lindsay is her name, and she um, she literally called me two days ago, and she's like, I want you to know that I learned kitchen intuition through toast. And I was like, oh, yes. I was like, what do you mm-hmm. mean? Tell me more. 
and um so i have this book called toast and it's you know it's like so good. it's great Ugh, thank you guys it's like 63 recipes on toast and it's ingredients that maybe you wouldn't necessarily think to put on toast, right? Because in my mind, what I see when I think of a piece of toast, whether it's gluten-free or not gluten-free, whatever it is, <laughs> just a base, right? It's a base, yeah, yeah. almost like a canvas that you can add some things on top of and get creative with. So she called oh. me and she said, I want you to learn know that I learned intuition in the kitchen from toast. And I said, tell me more. And she said, well, I, I normally, and she is someone, Stephanie, who probably would relate to you very much. Uh-huh. And say, I, have, I have no idea what to do in the kitchen. Like, I don't, I don't know anything. And she said, I opened my refrigerator and I had a loaf of bread and I thought, I'm going to try to create a toast. And so she opened her cupboard and she found like peanut butter and bananas, which is a great toast. And then she <laughs> saw a little bit of leftover granola and she was like, I'm going to add some granola on top of my toast because that will add some crunch. And then maybe I should add some honey or some maple syrup just to like make it fancy. So she did. And again, it's nothing elaborate. It's a very simple piece of toast. But even that that thought of like, I'm going to try to add granola because I think it might be good. Whereas normally you would have said granola does not go on bread. Those are carb on carb. Why would you do that? (laughs) But to do do a little sprinkle of it to get a crunchy flavor and a different texture, that, that told me like her mind is waking up to like, the play piece of it, right? Like, oh, I'm just going to yeah. try this. And the thing with the kitchen and with cooking and with all of life is like, you have to be okay with getting messy and making mistakes because yeah, I have made right. thousands of meals that are really gross. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I thought like, I'm going to try to invent this thing and then it's disgusting. But <laughs> more often than not, when you keep doing it, you realize like, oh, I really like that flavor with that flavor. And I really like you know, that spice on my eggs or really whatever it is. And, and maybe even for you, Stephanie, if you're like, mm-hmm. I want to play a little bit, maybe all it is, is getting creative with your eggs in the morning being like, yes, do I add a different spice? Do I add a different herb? Do I add some cheese? Do what, like, what do I do to like play with my eggs a little bit in the morning just to, to get that sense of play inside of you in the kitchen? I also, love Kara, that. I know that you, uh, we need to convince my mom to get the, everything but the bagel seasoning. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I cannot see. If you guys, I should be an everything but the bagel spokesperson. Yes. <laughs> they should pay me for how much I talk about everything but the bagel seasoning. It's mm-hmm. so simple. All it is is garlic, salt, poppy seeds, sesame seeds, and onion. Yes. And it's all dried. But it's, it's first of all, beautiful. So when you put it on everything, it makes it look fancy. I love but that. That, that oh, makes me, it's going to make it look like, oh my God, did you make that? I did. Yes. I, did. I just sprinkled yes. that on there. I'm telling you, after, after like at all of my cheese board workshops, I just throw like the everything but the bagel seasoning on and people are like, that's amazing because it looks, <laughs> it looks like the final touch that, that you really need to, to elevate your food. I just discovered smoked paprika. I didn't realize that that Uh, was a thing. And so I added that. And it's like a different color. So if I do put that on like toast with an egg and then we sprinkle Mm -hmm. that on, I feel fancy. (laughs) Yeah. Really fancy. So now with this everything but the bagel, I might just, you know, I might be like, oh, come on over and have some some toast that I made. But I love your idea, Kara, of like, of even taking, you know, the concepts and the things and the ideas that you have in toast, the cookbook. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have like, try one thing. And then that almost gives you 
a little bit of confidence to go and say, I can be brave with this one thing and experiment. Mm -hmm. And as you do gain some confidence, you know, Um, I have a question for you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how did you connect? No pun intended, but you know, food and because we're sitting here and we have two kind of different things that we're playing with. that I think you're so such an expert on, which is connecting. Right. And then, Mm. and then creativity through food. Um, Mm. And I know you talked a little bit about like when you were younger, but when did it become kind of a business for you? Because I know you, did you start off um, doing more of the cheese board styling and, and the cooking part of it and then do think, Hey, I should, what I naturally do is bring in connection with people because that's what I think is so powerful. How did those two combine for you in business? Yeah. So it's interesting. I, so I, right out of college, I worked for uh, a hedge fund for a year. And really? Like, yeah. And I hate the finance world. I'm not made for it. I need Same. to like, I need to like talk to people all day. And I just didn't during that time. Yeah. So I went back to grad school and in the, in the second year of my grad school, I, um, I started a wedding planning company with a friend and we, it was so awesome. I got to write my thesis on the integration of human development and wedding planning and making the wedding experience a place for people to feel seen, oh, known, wow. and heard. Right. Wow. And I, I remember when I quit the hedge fund, my boss, he asked me, he's like, well, what do you want to do? And the only answer, I felt so dumb at the time, but the only answer I could come up with was I want to make people feel seen and known. Oh, <laughs> you know, he's like, so oh. amazing. He's Did like, he just have yeah, especially your boss at that point, he probably looked at you like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. I'm not familiar with high this. End, high-end finance guy. And he's yeah. like, uh, I don't think that's the job. <laughs> so so again, in hindsight, our stories are always like 2020, right? But mm-hmm. I, I think I just had this innate bravery in me to, to do something outside of the box. And so we did the wedding planning company for about three years in Chicago. And um, I always joke that I did enough family counseling in wedding planning to ever have to like be an actual counselor. <laughs> it's just, it's a lot of drama. I'm in the middle of planning a wedding and I'm like, yeah, this is, this is real life. So, so I decided I needed to move out of Chicago and that was through a lot of life circumstances, but I ended up um, thinking I was going to New York and then through a, a happenstance of experiences and, you know, circumstances, I went to LA to visit someone and I got off the plane and my, it was like my gut knew. I just knew. And I can only reference this type of knowing probably three times in my life, but I knew I needed to move to LA. So I packed up my life in Chicago. I did not have any money. I did not have a plan. I did not have a job, but I, it was like that deep, deep knowing, like there's something there. So I drove across the country with my best friend and on the drive out, she asked me, she said, Kara, if money never matters to you, if you never have to make a dollar in your life, what do you do? And I said, oh, I would have people over for dinner. And she was like, okay. She was like, you're going to LA, turn that into a company. So no joke, I get to LA. The first day I'm in LA, I went to a happy hour with a group of friends and they're like, well, what are you going to do? And I said, oh, I'm going to have a dinner party company. Like, (laughs) The most just right naive, then, <laughs> just so naive and like unaware of everything, but but also that naivety really served me at the time, yes. right? Yes. So I just said like I'm gonna have this dinner party company, 
And I got hired for like a birthday party pretty quickly. And then from that, I got hired for an anniversary party. And I, I started to get to do these little dinner party experiences for people. And again, I always say food is my modality for connection. I am not trying to be a five-star chef. I am not trying to like win any food awards. What I want to do is create an experience around food where people walk away feeling holistically nourished. So yes, they're nourished in their stomachs and their bodies, but they also emotionally walk away feeling like they were seen and heard in that experience. So I started doing that. Um, and pretty quickly, like through, you know, just the craziness of LA, I got hired by a celebrity to do a dinner party for her. <clears throat> and, um, it was so funny, you guys, I walked in and I, I like set up this dinner party at her house and she's phenomenal. She's actually so wonderful. And, and I just thought it would be like random friends, but then all 12 guests were celebrities that I had like <laughs> massive celebrity crushes on. And I was like freaking out. I'm like sweating profusely. I'm like, <sighs> like freaking out. So through that experience, I got, you know, I got random catering jobs to do certain things. And then I got asked to do some food styling. And so my whole world in LA has really revolved around creating beautiful food, but creating beautiful food for the greater purpose of creating connective and nourishing experiences for people. So, you know, that's morphed into retreats, which I got to do with you guys. And it's morphed into um, dinners for brands, which I get to do every now and then. And now I'm really looking at like, how do I, how do I not just do this, but how do I teach this? Yes. Because, because I, I'm sure both of you have felt this in life, but I think sometimes the things that come naturally to us, we just assume that other people are that mm -hmm. way or operate mm -hmm. that way. Yeah. And I spent, you know, I spent the, the first majority of my life, over the first half of my life, really feeling disconnected from myself. And that was, that was through a range of disordered eating. It was through a range of like coping mechanisms and just things that I, I did not feel connected to myself. And now I've found this practice of using food as an ally to be the most connective thing in my life. And now I'm like, how do I take that and teach it? Because <laughs> that's yeah, important. Yeah. And it's changed. It's changed my life for sure. It's also really powerful because as much as I would, you know, I would love to just, oh my gosh, have you be like living with me and then just learn <laughs> everything from you. But what you have to offer is so powerful that if you, you know, I know some of the things that we're going to talk about that you're doing that are so exciting is getting the word out there and also helping people do this for themselves because mm -hmm. how powerful and wonderful would it be and meaningful would it be for you to have other people empower them to create the same experiences that you shared with us in Ojai um, mm -hmm. and that you're able to do when people are connecting to you to say, you can do this in your own home. You can create, um, you know, you can have the confidence to create meals that will bring people together. And then mm -hmm. here's how we connect because, you know, one of the, the statistics that I've heard about happiness and, you know, what we're all about is finding, finding happiness and contentment and joy in life and how we can empower people. Our message is to, how do you empower people to go out there, figure out what it is that makes them happy and mm -hmm. to go out there and do that. Um, mm -hmm. And because we don't know how to do that a lot of times. And, you know, I feel like you're really getting people and connecting them to say, like, this is how you can do it. You can be your own Kara. You know, you can have these yeah. dinners and these connections um, because the statistic is that 
um, the number one predictor for how happy you are in life is how connected you are and how many meaningful relationships that you have. Social relationships, um, yeah. Not how many, but, you know, that you have deep connections with other people. And yeah. um, and it's such a vulnerable thing. But to teach people to do that is that's where I think you're going to be able to really get out there. And I'm so excited for the world to just like know more about you. Mm. Um, and let me pivot here a little bit, because one of the things that I'm so excited for you in your personal life was something that came up um, when we were in Ojai. And I think that you were at a place where, um, and I don't know if, you know, hopefully you don't mind sharing, but that uh, you were at a place where you were kind of, I think, at peace with, I think you weren't married. I wasn't, I don't know if you were in a relationship, and I know this resonated with Kayla, that you mm -hmm. had just gotten to like, you know what? I am where I'm, I'm really happy where I'm at right now. And I'm comfortable with that. And I'm just going to move forward in life. Um, you know, and what will be, will be kind of a mentality. Mm -hmm. And then we watch from this. And I know that was so powerful to Kayla and you can talk about that too, Kayla, but, yeah. um, then all of a sudden we were like, wow, that is such a great place to be. And then once we leave Ojai and we see what unfolds in your personal life, it was so cool. Um, oh. so I just, I don't know if Kayla, if you want to talk about what that meant to you and then to, and then we can then talk about all the exciting things that Kara has going on in her life. Yeah, no, I, I remember when we were in Ojai kind of hearing you talk about how you've kind of come, oh, there goes my dog, um, <laughs> how you were, <laughs> you know, talking and expressing how you have come to the realization that you are whole, you don't need somebody else to kind of um, complete you however not that you wouldn't welcome it in the future and how it had taken a while for you to come to that you know conclusion and I mean I'll tell you I have I'm 26 and I'm I'm getting those questions from family from friends mm -hmm. when are you going to settle down and I just kind of kept thinking it but also at the same time watching you through social media kind of seeing what was going on in your personal life and seeing how you didn't really ask for it or see it coming and it happened and it was when it was supposed to happen mm -hmm. and you found somebody and I just remember seeing that happen and being like oh my gosh like so stoked for you <laughs> just because you know just not that long ago it, it hasn't even been a year since we had that retreat and to see you now which you can speak to as well but um, seeing where you are now just was kind of like a really cool like full circle moment. Yeah. Oh, I love that that's an encouragement to you. 26 is so young. I know, I know, I know. You have all the time in the world. Um, and here's the thing is I know I'm I'm not, I'm in a good place. I know I, I'm happy single. I'm kind of making a life for myself, which I'm so stoked yeah. that one day that can be something I can build upon um, rather than kind of navigate together. Um, yeah. So I, I just, I'm, I'm stoked to see and hear your good news. Yeah. So that, that retreat actually was a really, I don't know if you guys know this, but it was a really defining um, time for me in, in the status of my singleness. So the backstory <laughs> is I was the girl at 21 who said out loud to her friends, I'm going to get married later in life, like 25. And I thought <laughs> 25 was so late. Like I remember being 21 and thinking like 25 is like pushing it, you know? And then at 25, I was single and I remember saying, it's fine. If I'm married by 27, I'll be totally okay. That'll and be fine. <laughs> that'll be okay. That'll be okay. And then getting to 27 and being like, well, maybe 30 is really cool. Like maybe 30 is cool. 
And so I turned 34 in January of last year. And I, I have, this is going to be a book in me for sure, but I have had the largest wrestle with singleness that I've ever had with anything else in my life. My body and uh, singleness have been like my two Mm -hmm. battles. And it's really interesting when we were, when we were in Ohio on that retreat last May, I sat in the hot tub with Mo and I don't know if either of you were there. I can't remember who was there. Um, but she told us the story of meeting her husband and she told this story of like how they met and they just knew, you know, they just knew that they were going to be together. And I, I had a pretty deep reaction to that because I, I have wanted that very much so in my life, but I've dated so much that I've kind of been like, I don't think that's ever going to happen. I think I'm going to have to like work myself into the knowing. And so, um, she said that, and then she turned to me and she said, you're just going to know Kara, you're just going to know. And I was like, I hope so. But you know, like I hope so. And there's a lot of things that people who are in relationship, I think sometimes say to single people that, their intention is never bad, but sometimes it's just not very helpful, right? And so I was interpreting that as one of those non-helpful statements. Fast forward, it turned out to be a massively helpful statement, which I'll, I'll tell you in a second. But some of those, you know, some of those things that people say is like, why haven't you found your husband yet? Or like, people would say to me all the time, you'll meet him when you're least expecting it. And I'd be like, I'm always expecting it. I walk into Starbucks expecting (laughs) to meet him, you know? So there's, there was all these phrases that would come up in my singleness. And, and when she said that, I, I really had to, to wrestle with it and be like, do I believe that that's possible for me? Do I believe that it's possible that there's someone out there that my soul will just like, wow, I just know. So fast forward in, um, July of last year, I, I was on another retreat and this woman got up and she was, she was speaking and she talked about singleness and, and, um, she was coming from a a Christian perspective. And she said, if God never gives you the thing that you want more than anything in the world, or if the universe doesn't give you the thing you want more than anything in the world, will you still believe that he's good or that the universe is good? And I was like, absolutely no. Like if I don't get to fall in love, absolutely no. I won't believe that life is good. And I went back to my hotel room and I don't really know how to describe this other than to say I had a massive hour of surrendering everything I thought my life would look like because I thought my life would look very different at age 34 when it came to a relationship. I thought I would be married. I thought I would have babies by now. And I just had this massive surrendering of like, I... I love my life. And the truth is, if in 10 years from now, I'm still single, I'll probably still love my life because everything in my life to this point feels very purposed and and good and right. And there's things, you know, that are hard and and have been hard. But but when I sit in the present moment and I, I connect to my life right now, it is so good. So taking that logic forward, if in 10 years, I don't have the thing that I think I want so badly, I'll be okay. And had this like yeah. hour of really just releasing all these expectations that I had had on my life. And uh, a month later, about a month later, I, I, went, um, I went on a date with this guy and he was great and he was on paper, everything <laughs> that I probably should have liked. And there was, it was just mm-hmm. nothing there. And I was like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> Something has to be wrong with me. Oh, no. He's perfect and I feel nothing. And I, I, 
I remember Mo's voice coming back up in my head and, and that thought of like, I'm just going to know. And I almost like attached myself to that. It was like, yeah. okay, I'm going to believe that for myself. A week later, I got invited. Um, I'm working on this book about being single, which is hilarious. And I got invited to go on a writer's retreat. Out of- <laughs> <laughs> right? It's so fun. It's a writer's retreat of 12 uh, writers. And I am not joking when I tell you uh, there was no expectation in me that men would be on this retreat. I thought it would be like, <laughs> so I show up and the first night, Caleb, my now fiance, um, walks in the door and he walked in with another girl who was wearing a wedding ring. So I was like, cute, a married couple is here. <laughs> and they had just ridden together from the airport. They were not married. She's married with like five kids. And um, he and I... We we talked that first night, and and it's it's funny. I always joke that if I had met Caleb in a bar, I probably wouldn't have given him the time of day because externally, you know, he's like an ex NFL player. He's like super ripped yeah. and muscular, and I would have made a ton of assumptions about his character because of his external ex- uh, presentation. But uh, the nature of this retreat was very much like, what are you writing your book about? Let's talk about our hearts. We're talking about childhood trauma on day two. So on night (laughs) one, we just had this small interaction where we both were like, who are you? It was this deep, deep curiosity. And over the next three days on the retreat, we were like magnets. We couldn't, like, we couldn't not sit next to each other. And by day three, I'm not. I'm not joking when I when I tell you I knew. I was like, "Oh, you are my person." Like I just know that I know, and it's the same knowing that I referenced when I moved to California, and I have right. it in one other experience life. But like that deep guttural, it's not in your mind. It actually has nothing to do with your mind. It's like in your body, you just know that there's something here. And of course, that had to evolve, and we had to like use the language of like, I love you, and will you marry me, and yeah, all yeah. of that, and that's, and that's been over time, but um, he really, he is the biggest miracle in my life, and when I look back on my story, and all of those nights of anxiety and pain about being single and longing for my person, now I look back, and I'm like, why did I waste all that energy? Because right. Truthfully, he showed up at exactly the right time. And my friend Allie always says these things take exactly as much time as they take. And it's Mm -hmm. such a simple statement, but this idea that the things that are meant for us come in at the right time. And it's that's so true. But I also feel like you did that work too. Is that, you know, you the minute and I have felt this in my life as well is that the minute I did the work on myself and I Mm -hmm. was at peace and really could stand in my own presence and say I am enough I'm worthy I'm I'm enough just as I am even if I'm alone even if it's just me standing in this space I deserve happiness I'm good enough just the way I am um Mm -hmm. and the minute I did that too and we become at peace with you know with who we are um, and know that things will work out the way they're supposed to, whatever mm-hmm. that looks like. Then if that, then these miracles come into your life because we're allowing them, you're open to it. So mm-hmm. when you had that, I think, you know, that realization of yourself going, you know what, if this is what it is for me, I'm okay. Like this mm-hmm. is, I'll, I'll be good and I can be happy and fulfilled. And then you've opened it up. Your arms were just wide open for, you know, him to just walk right into your life. Yeah, it's been so exciting. Thank you. It is so exciting. It's so it's 
it's just so fun. And it's so fun. I like I have had friends go through marriages and divorces and and to marry again, not I'm not saying this will be easy, but I think to mm-hmm. marry the right person at the right time oh. is is a gift. And I think about myself in my 20s and all of the work that needed to happen. And I feel a lot of gratitude that I didn't have to do that in the context of yeah. a relationship. Like I, I feel mm-hmm. a lot of gratitude that I got to, I got to spend my years of singleness really, really focusing in, on myself and healing myself and becoming the best version of myself. And Kayla, kind of what you said, like building a life so that someone can build along with you not that they're coming in to fill some emptiness right that's so true and now you guys have now you're doing business ventures together right you have a podcast yes we tell us about that yes so the name of the podcast is Kara and Caleb and the tagline the tagline is live in the questions now and so yeah when Caleb and I met um one of our first conversations was really about the questions that have shaped and defined our lives and Mm. so we spent all this time talking about how questions have been a, a massive part of our uh, individual growth and even like communal growth. So questions for me, you know, like loving table questions and intentional questions, but also interpersonal questions like the one I referenced earlier, if God doesn't give me the thing that I want more than anything, will I be okay? Yeah. And so, so much of our our individual lives and now our collective life has really come down to these questions that have kind of shifted the trajectory of where we're going. And so what we do on the podcast is we we bring on guests from a bunch of different backgrounds and stories and whatnot, and um, we just ask them, what's the question that has shaped and defined your life? Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's really fun, um, and it's really fascinating because a lot of the people we're bringing on, you've probably heard them before on a podcast. You've probably heard Mm -hmm. them talk about their work and what they're doing in the world, and to hear kind of that underbelly of why they're doing what they're doing in the world is really fun. And to to kind of hear where that stuff gets born out of. And, and these questions, you know, I, I always joke with Caleb. I'm like, I love the podcast because it's like free therapy for me every week. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because when someone asks a question about their own life and then you, it's the same with the table question. And then you have the opportunity to ask it about your own life. It of course inspires growth and reflection and contemplation about the state that you're in. And so even, you know, we, um, we just, uh, we interviewed a guy yesterday and his question was so simple. It was, am I okay? Am I okay with the life, the life that I've built? And it's such a simple one, but I, I went back to my room and I was journaling later and just thinking like, am I okay? Actually, I yeah. am okay. I really am. Yeah. And and it just reflects back to you where you're at. So that's the premise of the podcast. And honestly, Caleb is like, I always joked that I wanted to marry someone who is more emotionally intelligent than me. And he, <laughs> he absolutely is. And it's not fair. So it's actually so fun. Oh my gosh. It's so fun to do a podcast with him because he's he's incredibly wise and has just a you know a different voice and perspective that I do. So it feels like yeah. it's such a fun partnership. That's such a, I love, I love diving into questions in yeah. a different way. I think I'm more of a, I have to make sure that I'm not like diving too deep. Cause every time somebody like, especially with my husband will ask something and I'll go, I wonder why you think that is. Yeah. Why do you think we do that? You know, and I, cause I want to know the why behind everything. And I want to know if somebody feels a certain way. It's like, I wonder where that came from. Like, where mm-hmm. do you, cause I ask myself those questions all the time mm-hmm. and, and I love being able to, you know, especially for you and Caleb to have that relationship where I'm sure then you guys 
not even challenge each other, but really kind of dive deep. I can't imagine you're going to just have this. I mean, especially to have him. I know he's done a lot of work right on his emotional um, traumas and, and just the things that he's had to go through in his life. And so to have you both be at this place where you're just so willing to, to go there, you know, and then to also ask other people and encourage other people to ask their questions. Mm. Um, Oh my God. It's so great. So, um, Kara, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. And will you tell our listeners like all the places we can find you? I know that you have like a workshop that's coming up and where can we, because for those of us who are obsessed with you, Kara, and all (laughs) of the things that you bring to the world, um, you are such a gift. So can you share that so that our listeners can, can receive that gift that you were offering too? Yes, of course. And thank you again, taking all of your compliments and letting them. Such a fangirl. So uh, socially you can find me on Instagram. I'm at by Kara Elise, B-Y-K-A-R-A-E-L-I-S-E. And then my website is just by Kara Elise.com. And then on on Instagram, I'm doing, um, during COVID, I'm doing, uh, this Instagram series called what's in your kitchen. So I'm trying to go live every day at about five o'clock where I'm doing just a quick tutorial in the kitchen. And sometimes we talk about an intentional question. Sometimes we talk about our hearts. Sometimes we just make a recipe. Um, so that's on Instagram. And then upcoming, I have two workshops, um, that will be hosted online courses. Really one is going to be a cheese board styling workshop. And that one's, it's just a three part series, pretty simple, but again, how to design, and like craft the perfect cheese board. And it will be about cheese boards, but as with all things food in my life, it's also about other <laughs> other yes. forms of creativity mm-hmm. and connecting and all of that. And then the other one that's coming up is um, it's called Hosting with Heart. And so this one is oh. a, a bigger, a bigger course for me. It's gonna be six part. And really it is about, <laughs> I always joke that it's about bringing Martha Stewart back, but it is about, <laughs> it's about learning how to host and how to create spaces for people that are nourishing so it will involve food and and certain aspects of hosting a dinner party um but but that are holistically nourishing so I'll talk through you know building building a connective experience what that looks like the internal work that goes in first because I I always believe that if we're going to connect in general, we have to connect to ourselves first, and then we get to connect to other yes. people. And so the, the host- oh, that's so awesome. Yeah, the hosting with heart uh, course will be really fun. I hope I encourage all of our listeners to go check out everything, Kara. Everything, Kara. It's it's amazing. You will mm-hmm. you know not only impress your friends, which is you know that's cool too, but also take it to a deeper level. So um, thank you again, Kara. We um, we just we love you and are so excited for all of the happiness that you have coming to you. So thank you guys so much, and we will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to Plan a Happy Life. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends, family, or anyone on their own happiness journey. We'll see you next week.